Lord calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. <laughs> All right. Preach the word. That's what we're going to do. Preach the word this morning. And if you want to start out with us, we're going to read a story from Luke 16. If you want to open your Bibles, we'll get there in just a moment. Just a couple of things real quick. I just, I, I say this every year, and uh, I know, I, I, I'm sure the coach doesn't, he's probably like, just don't say anything. But anyways, I do every year. Uh, these, these guys come from Texas Tech, and, uh, and I, th- I think they come to hear you guys sing. I'm pretty sure that's the reason they come up here. That's why their trip is for. They come here to run because this is the cross-country team. Is that right? The cross-country team. And so everybody who's got their guns up, guns up right now. Yeah, just a few of you. Okay, yeah, I see some of you. All right, so we're thankful. You guys encourage us by coming to worship with us. Thank you for being a part of our services today. Um, next week, well, first of all, let me just say welcome to all you visitors. I know there's a bunch of you here. This is like the last hurrah. Aren't we glad they're here? Yeah. You only hear a few of us clapping because most of us that go to the church here at Gateway, are they're working this weekend. This is our last big weekend to work, you know, before all of you go back to Texas, Gail. So, uh, so we're, we're thankful for you guys. We love you guys. And next week, we start, for those of you that are from Gateway and those of you that are in town, we start a series of lessons next week called Walk. We're going to be talking about the mission of the Gateway Church. We're going to be talking about the, the, the way the process of of achieving that mission. And so we're going to be talking about that for four weeks, and I really want to encourage you to try to be here all the next four weeks if possible. I think these are going to be super important for our church family. So this morning, you definitely are going to need one of these uh, cards, and you don't have to have the whole card. There's not enough probably for everybody. You can tear it in half and share it with your neighbor, but everybody's going to need one. And then a pin, and I put, I, I, this is so important to me that I came this morning early, and I put these out on the pew for you. Up, in, up there, if you didn't get them already, Ann's got them right here on this little box, and you guys can get one from her. Uh, share the pins with your neighbors. All you ladies, click, get your pins out of your purses. All you guys, get your pins out of your pockets. And in just a few minutes, we're going to do something with these cards that will only be for you. No one else will see them. They won't be collected up. It's only for you to stick in your pocket or tuck away in your Bible, but it's going to be an important part of what we're going to do this morning. I hope everybody's got something to write on. A few years ago, one of our friends, Amy and I have uh, some friends in Amarillo, and Matt and Rena were uh, at home in the morning. Matt had taken a shower, and he was in in front of the mirror, and he was shaving. He didn't have a shirt on. And Rena, his wife, came in, and she put her hand on his back, and she, she said, what is this right here? And it was, and I, I honestly don't remember for sure what it was, but it was some kind of spot that was on Matt's back, and it was a great thing that she caught it, that she paid attention enough to do an examination of his back to see that. See, that was something he couldn't see. We all do self-examinations. We see, you know, parts of our bodies you know, that something's wrong or something, you know, that's not supposed to be there. What's happening with this or that? And we, but sometimes we need people to help us with an examination. The Bible tells us to examine 
yourself. Examine yourself. And today, that's what I'm going to give you the opportunity to do and give me the opportunity to do. And, and I'm going to come alongside, maybe I, I might be the person who's behind you that's saying, now let's, what is this right here? Let's make sure that you're paying attention as you do this self-examination. And I want to do that as gently as possible. I really do. Because I've found that that's what the Holy Spirit does with me in my life. He gently points things out. He gently helps me examine my life. He gently prods me closer and closer to Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to be doing this morning, and I, uh, I believe we're going to be blessed. Let's pray, and then we'll read our text that we're starting with in Luke 16. God, today I just thank you. Thank you for this time to worship you and tell you how awesome and great you are, that we could do this together, that you saw fit to give us one another so that uh, we, we, of course, could do this by ourselves. We could go for a walk in the woods, or we could sit quietly uh, in, our, in our house or in our closet. But thank you for giving us this together to worship and praise you and to petition you and to thank you and to reach out to you and to invite you to change our hearts. We pray, God, right now, all of us have these walls or these places around our hearts that we protect ourselves. So we pray right now that you would help us to be vulnerable with ourself, that we would listen to your word, that we would listen to your spirit today. God, as we, we have a habit of praying for different groups every week, a different church in our village this morning, God, I just, I really want to pray for the counselors in our village. I want to pray for those that, that counsel people who are struggling, whether it be uh, counselors at the hospital through the heritage program or whether it be Pat Trembley or other marriage counselors, whether it be those that uh, counsel down at the counseling center right here just down the street from us. Whoever the people are, God, in our village who are helping those who are hurting, all the elders in our village, all the pastors in our village, all those friends that listen to someone and pray with and give advice, I pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide and give us words to say. And I want to pray for those who are hurting today, God. I want to pray for those whose hearts are broken. I want to pray for those who are confused and don't know which direction to go. I want to pray for those that are having relational difficulties today. I want to pray, God, for those who maybe are here visiting. They're, maybe they're with family and they're out of town and they really haven't, maybe haven't been to church in a long time or haven't really been around you in a long time. And I just pray today, God, that you would, that you would counsel their heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you so much, Lord. We're so grateful for you and what, who you are and uh, what you do. And so we all, with grateful hearts, say this prayer in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Our text, that we're really not going to study the whole text today, but we're going to start here as a place to give us a trajectory of our lesson today. Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a story and we're going to read part of it here. Nobody knows for sure, really, if this story is a parable. Uh, if, it's, if it's many parables that Jesus told are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Or if it really is a true story. No one knows for sure what this is. But nonetheless, these are the words of Jesus. And this is what he said. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. And lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus 
covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. I think it's amazing if you just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read the red letters. Just read what Jesus talked about. It is amazing how often Jesus talks about hell. It's incredible that he talks about hell more than all the rest of the New Testament writers combined together. It's incredible. Well, what does the Bible say about hell? This is not a lesson about hell, by the way. So this is not going to be a uh, this is not going to be comprehensive. Everything the Bible says about hell, but here's several things that the Bible says about hell. The Bible says that God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. The Bible says it's a place of torment, of agony, a place of weeping, a place of gnashing of teeth. It's a place where fire never goes out. It's a place of darkness, a gloomy dungeon. It's a place where body and soul are destroyed. Revelation refers to the place called hell as the second death. But what does the Bible say about heaven? What does the Bible say about heaven? Again, not comprehensive. But a few things the Bible says about heaven is that God will be there with us. And he will be the light in the entire city. And the community of believers will be there. And they are called the bride of Christ. The city is described as beautiful in many ways. There's a feast there. There's the tree of life in the middle. All chaos is gone. We will have new bodies. We will have no tears. And Jesus describes this place with the words, the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life. Borrowed a rope from my friend, and it's brand new. It hasn't even been unwound until I just unwound it. And can you guys see this? Can you see that little green part? Can you guys see that? I mean, it's all different colors, but there's this little green section right here. And I want you to imagine that this rope starts here, and it goes this way, and you can see it. It goes out the door over there. And we'll just say, if you can imagine this, that this rope just stretches all the way across the parking lot over there, stretches right past the Cornerstone Bakery. And this rope just keeps on going. It goes down, and it goes into Rudosa Downs, right past Walmart. It heads right down the highway, and this rope right here goes actually all the way to Roswell. That is a long Rope, And we get to Roswell, and it just keeps on going. It heads down to Tatum, and it crosses over a state line into some state. I can't remember which one. 
and it goes all the way over. It hits Plains, and, and then it hits uh, Brownfield. And, and since the Texas Tech folks are here, we'll say it takes a little bit of a northern route, and it goes through Lubbock, Texas, the hub. And, and then we'll just say, let's say it goes to Dallas, and, and then it heads on over to Tyler, and it goes across to and I really don't know what's over there, but let's just say it keeps on going on the other side of the big river and it goes over to Florida. And then this rope right here that we're looking at just goes right underneath the water and it goes in the ocean and it goes right on across to Europe or Africa or whatever it hits over there. And, and let's just say it wraps all the way around. Yeah, I'm not a geography student, by the way, if you couldn't tell. So it wraps all the way around and it comes back in this door right over here. And I thought, man, that would have been so cool if I had another rope and we could have pulled it in. That would have been awesome but I don't. So it comes right back in the, the, the door, and, and this rope is about 25,000 miles long. It went all the way around the earth. Pretty long rope. And I want you to look at that little section right there. And I want you, if you will, for just a minute, if I can hold it still, to imagine that this is all of time. Whatever amount of time that is. And there are many opinions in this room about how much that time that is, whether it's thousands or tens of thousands or millions or billions of years, and this lesson has nothing to do with that. I'm really not interested in that right now. But right here, all of time, from the beginning of time, and if the Bible is true, that there's going to come a day when there's a judgment day. And that's all of it right there. And somewhere in that little spot right there is you. And you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 or 110 years or 115 years of living on this place called planet Earth. And it's a minuscule, tiny, little bitty, microscopic beep. James says your life is like a mist. It's here and then it's gone. And here's the thing that's amazing to me is how we can get so wrapped up in ding, and not pay attention to what Jesus offers us. That he offers this. He offers eternal life. It goes on and on and on and on. That's incredible. It's a trick of the devil, isn't it? That he does that to us. I think it's pretty universal that everybody gets pretty caught up in this little thing. And it's so easy to forget all of that. So, today, I want to ask you two questions. So get your card out. I can't make you write on these cards, and some of you will choose not to because you don't like to be told what to do, and you especially don't like me to tell you what to do. But I'll tell you this, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to... Uh, you're going to get more out of what we're going to do right now today. If you will get that card or get a card or get a piece of paper and you'll get a pen or a pencil. And if you will write the answer, two questions, very short, very short answers should take us less than 60 seconds. Here is the first question. If you die today, where will you go? I want you to write the answer to that question on your card. Nobody else is going to see this. This is not for anyone but you. It's not a trick. We're not going to collect them up and put your face up on the screen or something. If you die today, 
Where will you go? And the second question, I'll give you just a few more seconds than I did for this one, is this question right here. Maybe just as important as the question for sure. And here it is. Why? Let me give you about 30 seconds to write your answer. Through the years of being a minister, I've done this particular little deal with cards so many times uh, with so many different groups of people that I can tell you right now that I know that there are four answers that were given in this room. Where will you go if you die? And here they are. Here are the four answers. The first one is this, nowhere. Because there are some people who believe that when it's over, it's over. When it's done, it's done. That's it. What's here is all there is. I'm going to come back and address all four of these in just a moment, but let's just finish. Also, some people wrote on their card today, right here in church, if I die today, I will go to hell. Some of you were honest enough to examine yourself and say, that's what will happen to me. There are some people here who wrote down the answer, if I die today, I will go to heaven. And there's one last answer. And it surprises me every time that I do this, How many people write this last answer? And here it is. I don't know. I don't know. And I I can almost guarantee you, now some of you might prove me wrong. You might say, well, I had a different answer. But I can almost guarantee you, you wrote down one of those four answers or some form of it. And then when you wrote the answer, why? And I'm going to come back and address all four of these groups right at the end as we finish. But when you wrote wrote down the, the answer to the question, why? There's only two. There's only two reasons. And here they are. You either wrote, because I, and you filled in the blank, or you wrote, because God, and you filled in the blank. You did one or the other. That's what you wrote on your card. Now, there might be some other card, some other answer that you say, mine was different, but I'm saying in generalities, all the times I've done this, maybe a couple dozen times, these are the answers. Those are the four answers, and here are the two reasons. Because I, and you filled in the blank, or because God, and you filled in the blank. And the important, the answer is so important to to this question, this card that you're holding in your hand, because it reveals this right here. And this is the point of the whole sermon. What are you depending on? That's the examination today. What are you depending on? See this rope right here. All of this going for on and on and on depends on what you decide. What you're depending on. Will you depend on God or will you depend on yourself? Take a look at this cross. We have that hanging on our wall for several years now because this is at the center of who we are. What is this all about? Why did Jesus leave heaven? Why did he come to earth? Why did he die on the cross and was buried? And why was he raised again? 
There's a type of Christianity that answers that question to say, okay, let me tell you what that's all about. You try to be the very best person you can be. You try to follow all the rules you can follow. And maybe if there was a cup right here and you had to fill it up all the way uh, in order to be righteous, fill it up with as much righteousness as you can. Some of you are really good and you can fill it almost up to the top. Some of you are sorry suckers and you can barely fill up a little bitty bit at the bottom. But you do all you can to fill that cup up as much as you can and the cross will fill up the rest. But that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. Look at what First Peter, what Peter says in the first chapter. Set your hope fully. Completely, 100% on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Paul in Galatians says this, I do not set aside the grace of God. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I believe if Paul heard my example I gave, do as much as you can and then Jesus will do the rest, I believe he would turn to this scripture that he wrote. Chapter 3, he says, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just this one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You may say, well, I thought the Bible said we're supposed to work out our own salvation. It's true. Paul says that you should take this subject so serious that it should produce fear and trembling inside of you as you think about it, as you consider it. But look at who, when Paul says that, is actually doing the work. Look at this scripture, Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to, to will and to act according to his good purpose. And then again in Colossians, he talks about that he labors. Paul says, I labor, I work, I work hard. To this end I labor, struggling with all my energy, no, struggling with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Again, in Philippians, Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who started the good work in you, God started working in you, and he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Ephesians 3, when he just explodes in worship to this God, he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, according to his, his power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. But John, the Bible is full of things that we are supposed to do. Ways that we are supposed to respond to God. That's right. It's exactly right. The Bible says that we're supposed to meet with other believers. We're supposed to pray. 
The Bible says that we're supposed to receive Jesus as our Lord. We're supposed to invite him, let him come into the door of, his, of our heart where he knocks. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to be thankful. We're supposed to be baptized into Christ. We're supposed to forgive other people. We're supposed to be hospitable. We're supposed to repent of our sins. We're supposed to take care of our family. We're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to believe on and on. I could do this all day long. The Bible is full of things that we're supposed to do. So if I'm supposed to be doing these things and they're in the Bible, if I am doing these things, John, or if I'm not doing these things, shouldn't I write on my card because I fill in the blank? It's true that the Bible commands us to do many, many things. But there's a subtle difference between two people who are both obeying God. A subtle difference And it's back to what we said, the point of this sermon. What are you depending on? Which statement is true about your following of Christ? I'm doing, or I've done, fill in the blank, in order to be saved. Or, I'm doing, or have done, fill in the blank, because I am saved. You see, two people can do the exact same action. They can look identical to one another. Two people could attend church every Sunday for 50 years, but internally they can be doing it for very different reasons. So why is the person that's going to church for 50 years going to church? One might say, because I want God to save me. I'm hoping this might tip the scales in my favor. And another person who sits right beside that person in the pew for 50 years could say, because God saved me, and this is how I respond to such an amazing God. Very subtle, but very important. If you're depending on yourself to answer this question, where will I go when I die? Then your dependence is in the wrong place. So I'd ask you the same question that Paul asks. Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Are you hoping to tip the scales? Because God wants us to depend on Christ and the work he did at the cross. So let me briefly speak to the four groups of people who answered these questions in these four ways I believe that are answered. First of all, let me just say, if when you think about the question, where will I go when I die? If your answer is something along the lines of nowhere, I just want to encourage you to look around at the heavens and the earth because the heavens and the earth declare the glory of God. The Bible tells us that God has put eternity into the hearts of all people. And when you have moments of wondering, I think this is all there is, but there might be more. What if there is more? When you have those moments... I believe that's God gently trying to get your attention. And I encourage you to try something when you leave here today. If you're a person who said, I don't think I'll go anywhere, I challenge you, what would it hurt, since you're not going anywhere anyways, what would it hurt just to pick up the Bible and read a little bit of the Bible? So I challenge you to read about a guy named Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. Choose any one of the first four books of the New Testament. Either read Matthew or read Mark, 
or Luke or John, they're all the same story written by four different authors. And just read about this guy, Jesus, and see if there's anything there that grabs your heart. I, I encourage you, even if you don't believe, to begin to investigate this man named Jesus, to begin maybe to follow in his footsteps and live your life in some ways that he did. What about the people who said, when I die, if I die today, I will go to hell? Well, it's no doubt that your answer after that would have started with, because I, because I have done this, or because I am this kind of person, or because I've lived this way, or because I haven't done this enough. And I want to encourage you today, although, although it's, it's a good thing, to recognize our sinfulness. It's an important thing to recognize our sinfulness. But I want to encourage you today to begin to stop focusing all your attention on your mistakes, your sins, your shortcomings, and turn your eyes toward the cross. See, Jesus at the cross, the Bible teaches us, He paid for your mistakes. And you didn't surprise Him. He didn't pay for your mistakes on the cross. And then later, like last weekend, he didn't go, oh, well, I didn't know you're going to do that. Wow. So you didn't surprise him. Not one single bit. When he went to the cross, he knew. And he loves you so much that he went there for you. Look at what 1 John says. That's not the right text. Maybe I didn't put it. Let me just read it to you. First John. I wonder if I've got it down here. I thought I had this on here. Yeah, there it is. First John chapter 3, verse 19. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Verse 20, whenever our hearts condemn us. See, God knew we were going to be self-condemning. He knew that. But he says God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Turn your focus away from you to him. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. I know, I know I don't, but he does. Yeah, but this was so bad. I, I know, I know. I mean, actually, I don't, but he does, and he went there for you because he doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell. What about the people who said, if I die today, I'll go to heaven? I'm kind of, I kind of messed up here. Okay. Well, let me say this. If your card says, if I die today, I'll go to heaven because God or because Jesus or because the Lord, and you filled in the blank with something God has done for you, then I would just say today, praise God for that. Keep depending on him. Keep believing. Keep longing to see his face. Keep living a life that is worthy of your calling, a life because you have been saved, a life that is full of love and service and compassion to everybody around you. Keep inviting others to turn to this amazing God who has saved you. And if your card said, I'll go to heaven because I, then I want to encourage you today to consider the question, what are you depending on for your salvation? I'm I'm asking you to think about it is all I'm really doing today. Again, 1 Peter, set your hope, not partially, not some, but fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. 
And this makes all the difference between a follower of Jesus whose life is refreshing. Do you know some Christians that their life is just refreshing? It's full of joy. It's winsome. I mean, they, people love to be around those people. They're inviting. It's the difference between a person like that and a person who is holier than thou, who makes others want to run from God and run from the church. I encourage you to think about it if that's how you wrote your card down today. And then finally, what about the people who wrote, I don't know. I'll tell you this, you're the main reason I wanted to preach this sermon today. My heart is with you. I have been where you are. I have felt saved on my good days and lost on my bad days. In when I'm behaving and out when I'm sinning. I have felt that horrible way of trying to follow Jesus and that frightening way of facing death and judgment. And I believe it's unbiblical. God wants you to know the answer to this question. God does not want you to write down, I don't know. I know that because uh, of a couple of scriptures at least, probably many more than this, but 1 Timothy, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, first of all, let's just start with God's heart, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. That's the truth, that Jesus came and gave his life, the death, burial, and resurrection, the good news. God wants all people to know this truth. And 1 John, John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to be with him in heaven. And he wants it so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross for your sins, to be buried in a tomb, and to raise from the dead. He wants you to know the answer to this question. And it makes all the difference in your ability to live a full life, the full life that he came to give. It makes all the difference in your ability to share the gospel, the good news, with your friends and family. This is a great prayer right here. I put it in the wrong order. There it is. It's a great prayer from Psalm 62. If you happen to be a person who is struggling with this. If you feel like, I don't know for sure because I'm depending on my own self, my own works, what I've done or not done, then listen to this psalm. Maybe circle it in your Bible. Maybe pray it this week. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So, I hope you have had a little bit of time to examine your heart today. I hope you have heard again, I know all of you have heard this before and most of you believe it and you know it, that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, that the Holy Spirit is working in your life and he may be working today to transform you more into the likeness of Jesus. He may be working in this moment while you're here to draw you to trust the work that Jesus did at the cross 
to save you from the second death in hell and to give you this gift right here of eternal life that goes on and on and on forever. And if he is, if he's calling you, then I invite you today that you would invite him to be the Lord of your life, that you would open the door and ask him to live inside your heart. And if you would be willing to come forward today, then we would love to reenact the death, burial, and resurrection, the cross of Jesus, the thing that we put all of our faith in, his work. And we would do that by baptizing you into Jesus today. That'd be a great way to finish this Labor Day weekend, concentrating on the labor that Jesus did on the cross for you to save you from your sins. So, if you have any need to respond, then you come. There'll be shepherds here, and we'll sing this song of praise to God. Let's stand and let's sing. There's a stirring deep within me. Could it be my time has come?